0: Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada. I might say a sweltering Ontario, Canada, for a change, with episode number 132 of The Yacking Show. This is a show to awaken you to new perspectives for the changing world we're living in. And our guest today is somebody who's seen lots of changes, but not my job to steal Kathleen's thunder. First, let me introduce my co-host and quickly say to you, she wears another hat, and that is... Uh, all things to do with IT and IT specialists. So if you've got problems in that area, get hold of us. So welcome, Kathleen. How are you doing today? Hot as well.
1: (laughs) You're right. It's sweltering, Peter. Thank you for that intro. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you. And we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself and as peter mentioned we do have another special guest with us today his name is malcolm teasdale malcolm welcome to the show how are you
2: i am very well thank you and thank you to you, kathleen and peter for having me on the show today
1: <laughs> now malcolm you are a world traveler you're an author you're the host of the podcast titled travel addict <laughs> travel addict podcast can you tell our audience a little bit about your background and what led you to travel to, I think it is 90 countries?
2: Well, it's 105 now. Oh, wow. That's yeah, still bad <laughs> enough, isn't it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I can uh, give you a, a brief version of it if you wish. Now, I, I, was, um, I think like yourself, I was in the IT business for many, many years. And um, I started, you can tell I've got this Alabama accent. No, seriously i'm from england and <laughs> born and raised in england and then back in the 1980s a company uh, came to britain and uh, recruited me to move to ottawa canada which i moved there on january the fourth of that year oh yeah
0: <laughs> yeah
2: brutal snow snow never left till may but i did learn how to skate but th- i i joined another company I was in canada who moved me back to um, the united kingdom where i stayed for another year then I moved over to a company, another company transfer back Oh, to the United States uh, into Florida. I've been here in, well, over 30 years now in the United States. And so I was always in the IT business or telecommunications to be specific. But more recently, um, well, probably in the 20 years ago, I would say, I started a business um, with a, a partner of mine who actually lives in Ottawa. And we started this company and grew it. And it was a software development company. And we grew it, we got worldwide, worldwide presence. And then we, um, we sold it to a major corporation in uh, 2013. Now, the reason I'm in this position today, I travel a lot. Yes, I do. And I love traveling. Is because I always used to travel a lot for business. I had to. Um, obviously, in the latter years, internationally. But when you travel on business, you don't really get to see a lot of the cultures of foreign lands. Uh, You go to the big cities, the business hubs, etc. But after taking early retirement back in 2013, I wanted to do more of the uh, uh, travel to off the beaten path locations, more obscure stuff, to learn more about the culture of foreign lands. And that's what I've been doing basically ever since, apart from last year, of course. (laughs) So, So that's really it.
0: Wow. So I got to ask you, you you made one huge leap. That was from burying telephone cables, according to your words, and climbing up telephone poles, which is a sort of probably an obsolete profession right now. Um, But you made a big jump into management in in that first, I think the first company you worked for. So what precipitated that? How did you make that jump? Because that's
2: a leap. From, well, to um, my, my very first job, actually, and my very first job was really a disc jockey, believe it or not. But ah. in the professional world, then I joined the Telecoms Corporation in uh, Britain, who, who employed me, but they started me on an apprenticeship. I had to learn virtually everything about telecommunications. Ah, okay. so that meant digging holes, climbing in telegraph poles, running yeah. cables to people's houses so they could use a phone, a rotary dial phone. Right. And that, right. that's pretty much it. So you're probably thinking, well, this guy, he, he's old. Well, yeah, I'm I'm probably old because you know it's absolutely yeah, join again. the club. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: so uh, I, I've got i got to
0: throw something in. We I was on a farm in Rhodesia. We didn't even have a rotary dial phone. We had one with a handle that you wound up and spoke to the operator. So <laughs> I'm old too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I remember those as well. Yeah, I, I want to say a bit before my time, but I don't think it was much before my time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so were you on a management track? So starting at the bottom as an apprentice on the trade side or, or how did you make that transition? from no, working No, it wasn't that, management? it
2: was um, more birth by fire because I, I'm an engineer by trade. Okay. Uh, so um, eventually I, I got into management. The last company I worked for um, was in the United States, but they have offices worldwide. So I got into a management position there and I, I ran the technical support organization for the company um, out of Florida. And it was that time where I discussed with my colleague, my work colleague said, we think we can do our own thing and develop a product that is better, leverages technology that's around today and make it better than what our existing company Mm -hmm. had to offer at that that time. Small part of their product portfolio, but we felt it was important. And that's the reason we started this thing going. We had this idea and then uh, it, it grew from then. Oh,
0: right, right. I, I think it's really interesting for young people who have to, sorry, Kathleen, I'm jumping over you, your question, but while we've got Malcolm on the subject, for young people who might be watching the show, who are concerned that because they're doing a relatively low level job, say, for instance, the, the modern equivalent of burying cables, that their future is doomed, but you're, you're living proof that it's not, right? So I think that's really encouraging for young people.
2: Yeah, I didn't. I did, to be honest with you, I didn't really think of it at that time. It was, I, I was going to be training, to become sort of a, an, in an engineering capacity. But uh, the the telecoms corporation of Britain at the time basically, maybe you got to learn everything about our business, and you got to start off with what all the guys on the street do. Learn every facet of the industry. Right, right. It, auto, I knew ultimately it was not what I was brought on to to become. Sure. Sure. I had no problem going through that process and that was it. And of course, they sent me to college for five years as well, which was worth it. I knew what I was getting, getting into, but my ultimate goal, I wasn't thinking about one day I'm going to have my own business at that time. No, 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 no. no, no. Good. Gasline, over to you.
0: Sorry. So
1: being, of course, in software development, I have to ask you, what motivated you to start a software development company back in 1998?
2: It was because our existing company had a product that was leveraging old, um, or I would say dated, operating software. I think Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And so what we wanted to do was leverage the latest uh, operating system that Microsoft had at the time and build what we thought. It was management information software and leverage that technology in which we did. Okay, And it was used in um, companies that... I would say core. If you know what the term core center means, then you'd probably understand mm-hmm. what it was used for: managing core processing, providing information about, well, how many calls did we lose today? How much business did we make? And how long it's taking taking people to answer the darn phone? Things like that. But it was more in depth than that, and and that's what we we started, and we we grew the um uh, the business throughout North America, where we felt comfortable. And that time after after that, we decided to spread our wings and go into the international market, which then we were faced with translating our product into other foreign languages. Okay, of
1: course.
0: Yeah. yeah. Wow, quite something. So, would you say the traveling was necessitated by the business, or um, was it something you found in one of your exotic, first exotic locations, Papua New Guinea, that uh, got you the sort of permanent travel boat?
2: <laughs> Funny you should to say that. Now, actually, when I, the, the company I mentioned who transferred me back to the UK um, back in the early 80s, um, I enjoyed my job there, but I had an opportunity to work for the telecoms corporation in Papua New Guinea. Mm-hmm. And I was all set to go. In fact, I handed in my notice and I was going to take a few months to, to travel out there, going through the South Pacific, until my company at the time decided, well, Malcolm, um, we're not sure that you're happy where you live right now, but why don't you consider a move to Bo- Boca Raton, Florida? Okay. right. Mm, okay. Uh, so <laughs> I thought about that, and that's how I made the move. And I, I moved over to the ah. United States uh, back in the uh, middle 80s, and that's, that's why I'm still here today, you know.
0: Ah, right, right, right. Okay. What's but you did it? get
2: to Papua New Guinea, didn't you? No, no, I'd never been there. Oh, you haven't been close. there. Okay. Oh no, I, I had my work permit. I had stamp. I was ready to go. Oh, I Within see. One I One month see. Of leaving, I was offered a transfer to the states, and I said, "And that's oh, it." I okay. i already, it. I've Got already it. sold Got my it. house, and <laughs> just, oh,
0: <laughs> come <over."> home. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> well, since you're so well traveled, we have to hear about some of the highlights of those travels.
2: Okay. I better be careful what I say here.
1: <laughs> no, no, <just laughs>
2: actually, uh, it, absolutely
1: it, not. Just go for it.
2: <laughs> actually, one of the, um, it, it, it's a case, depending on what you call a highlight, uh, scenes of beauty, rich cultural places, and places that uh, were a bit edgy. I was fortunate um, to be able to to go to um, a couple of places um one, when I was employed by my previous company, uh, I, I was asked to go to the Cairo, Egypt during the first Gulf crisis, if you remember that, mm-hmm. to, to fix telecommunications problems there with, in, in the US, U.S. embassy's largest embassy in the Middle East. And no one would go because of the situation <laughs> at the time. Yeah. I just started managing up technical, technical support. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, it's my responsibility, I'll go. So I did that. And uh, I was there for about a week and a half and uh, to fix things up. But after that, I did leave that company and started things on my own. But one thing that really uh, sticks with me is this trip back in 1990. If if you know what was going on then with the Soviet Union, it was Mm -hmm. in the middle of breaking up. And I went there in December. And it was the final days of the Soviet Union's existence. And I went there to the US embassy and I wasn't even a US citizen. I still still have my British passport. I wasn't even a US citizen at that time. So of course, they said, what? We're getting a British guy coming over to the US embassy in Moscow during <laughs> the breakup of the Soviet Union. This does not make any sense. So I had to show my passport several times around the embassy, but uh, I was there during that time. And the, I left the day before Mikhail Gorbachev uh, lost power right. but I saw all yeah. the goings on in the city w- what was going on it was unbelievable times there so I do remember that 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 sort of uh, thing uh, sticks with me but as far as adventure I mean I've I've trekked the Himalayas and I've gone camping in the Mongolian wilderness and mm-hmm. climbed the tiger Nest in Bhutan these things adventurous stuff I've really enjoyed doing since I retired from you know the, the general workplace sure. so to speak mm-hmm. which you know to me these are uh are things that will stay with me for the rest of my life you know i'll always remember those things you know mm-hmm. yeah so yeah, just a couple for you yeah.
0: yeah very good and um so people who haven't traveled a lot and and a lot of our audience i know probably haven't been out of north america mm-hmm. if they were when all this nonsense with traveling comes to an end which we hope it will soon about the virus, when things are somewhat normal, and somebody wanted to go to an exotic but relaxing place, what would you suggest for a North American?
2: Well, the Caribbean is always fun. Um, I've, I've been away a couple of times this year. I've been fully vaccinated. And I've been to the Turks and Caicos Islands, which is a beautiful beach. Mm-hmm. But going down to the Caribbean is a lot of fun. I live on a beach, right? So... Mm-hmm going down the Caribbean is, is, is a different culture down there. So I, I enjoy that. But, um, you know, people where I live, it's very, very busy right now. It's tourist season. This place is jam packed,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which makes me want to leave town you know, to, to get away from the tourists and go to other places. Yeah, People come here. Now I get that beautiful beach here and you know, we can always go to the beach with friends and family, hang out on the beach, drink a beer and go home, have a good time. And we remember that to a certain extent, but it's a more adventurous stuff. I would um, sort of, not persuade, but ad- advise people to do something that, if they have a bucket list, overused term, but if they've got something that's in the back of the mind, um, that's sort of adventurous, then make plans to do it. Don't don't sit back and regret it later on you know in years to come when you had an opportunity, because sooner or later you know we'll get to the point where we can't travel anymore or can't do, do stuff we want to do. And so I'm doing it now before I come to, uh, become decrepit and uh, so that's that's what I'm doing. I've got more stuff I want to do, and I keep doing it. So yeah. to say I'm a travel addict, you know that's the way it is.
0: You're absolutely right. You know, I, I did a spell in management in a big corporation, flying five-star hotels, flying two or three times a week, I and then mean, travelled a lot when I had my own business, mainly all, almost exclusively in Africa. But this show is not about me. The point I'm trying to make is that that I also walked part of the Camino de Santiago in 2019, oh, the Portu- sure. Portuguese route. And yeah. to me, I got, I had in that 12 days walking 250 kilometers. I had more memorable uh occasions and more things that'll stay with me than all the other traveling i've done in my life it it was such a a lovely experience you know so i hear what you're saying yeah
2: exactly yeah yeah i've i was going to go to namibia this year in africa uh, to go in the desert there i'm putting that off till next year yeah Uh, uh, so i've got things i want to do i can't do them all but uh, yeah, the trip you mentioned of course exciting and that's that's it's things you'll remember forever, you know.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, I've been to Namibia, it's lovely. And um, I see you've been to the Victoria Falls, which was my old stamping ground of Rhodesia, Zimbabwe. So that's quite a spectacle for people who haven't been there, isn't it?
2: Yes. Yeah, you know, I went there, you mentioned Rhodesia, and my father was stationed there for a period of time during World War Two.
0: Right. Yeah, when it was Rhodesia. And, yeah,
2: that's right. And he, he uh, was... Right by the the Victoria Falls there, so I had a chance to go to South Africa. It was for a trade show. It was in S- uh, Sun City in South Africa. So yeah. Well, after that finished, I decided to take a a flight up to um, Zambia. Yeah. And I stayed at the Royal Livingstone Livingston Hotel and walked the Victoria Falls from there and over to Zimbabwe. It's fantastic, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, very good. Very good, Kathleen. I'm monopolizing Malcolm here. No, not Over at you. all.
1: I'm enjoying this. And in fact, <laughs> if you're anything like me, I've I've been to Ireland a few times, and it's my I've fallen in love with Ireland and the people and the landscape, and I love going on long hikes off the beaten path in the middle of nowhere. It's for me that's my escape. But anyways, I I agree you with said, you. Yes. It's not the show is not about me. So let's switch gears a little bit. You need to tell us about your books and your podcast.
2: Uh, The reason, um, uh, let's go back to the books. I've written five books and they started off being sort of business oriented. Um, I thought I need to log some of this stuff. My mother gave me me the idea many, many years ago because I was traveling a lot. She never understood why, but she said, Malcolm, why don't you write a book? And I said, why? And she said, so you can remember stuff later on in life. "Mm, Okay. And that sort of stuck with me I started to go into these weird and wonderful places. I thought, yeah, I can jot these things down. And, uh, when I'm lying on my deathbed there and, uh, you know, they want to cut me off from life, I may be able to read my book I said, did I do that? Who is that guy? I don't know what I would think, <laughs> but there were, there were, there were things I could read, read back. On. I said, I actually did that, but it was business travel. Not, nothing formal here. It's just experience of going to foreign lands, trying to conduct business with different business cultures, if you wish, because it's sometimes weird. And so it that. then it got more into adventure travel later on, you know, so it was a total of five books. But as far as a podcast, a travel addict podcast, this all came about because of what happened last year. Uh, I was used to getting out of town a lot, but I couldn't. I had to do something. And uh, I read a bit about podcasts. I thought, all right. I may be able to do that. So I just did it for a hobby. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's it. I've, you know, been a guest on a few shares. I uh, started one myself and uh, that's what happens. I don't take it too seriously, but that's what it is really. That's why it's called the travel addict.
0: Travel addict. Very, very good. Very good. I I got something I want to ask you, but I've got to pick up on the photograph behind you. Are you a diver as well
2: then? Yeah, I'm an avid scuba diver. Uh Um, Yeah, that picture behind me was... Uh, yeah. Where was that? Oh, that was down in the uh, Turks and Caicos Islands, I think. Yeah.
0: Ah, nice, nice. I got to ask you: Have you ever got to the Comores? I, I had a look at your list of countries. I didn't see it. Uh, Mayotte and the Comores Islands, just uh, north of Madagascar.
2: No, I I hadn't been there. The nearest I was going to get down that neck of the wall was to Zanzibar. Okay. Yep. And I didn't make it because I had to delay my trip for a reason. Then it became out of season. So, no, I haven't been uh, down there uh, yet. Um, I was due to go to next month, actually. And I had to call this off because you can't get in Indonesia right now. Mm -hmm. The island of Raja Ampat, or that little area of Raja Ampat, Mm -hmm. which is a a massive nature preserve. is supposed to be beautiful. Uh, and And I was going to go there. I was all set to go and my accommodation booked. Wasn't easy to get there, but India, Indonesia just locked down, so yeah. that that went by the wayside, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w-
0: I was really lucky to get to the Comores and Mayotte. Uh, went to Grand Comor and uh Anjuan, I think it was, uh, way back in the early 80s before it got commercialized. And yeah. the wa- it's the clearest water I've ever seen in my life. There's two yeah, lagoons a there.
2: spots around the world, I tell you, Palau, if you ever get there, is unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, the there one there. night was brilliant moonlight, and I was standing outside this tiny little decrepit hotel looking down on the water and I could see the fish swimming in the moonlight. It's that that clear, you know. Beautiful. Uh, no. That's a good one if for a diver that must be incredible. Yeah. So so here's my burning question. You, you based on your experience of traveling to 105 countries and meeting people from all over the world, and you've obviously met way more people than the average person meets. What do you think the secrets are for a well-balanced and happy life from all your travels?
2: Uh, for me, um, I learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. And if I have a saying, it is my quest to learn how the rest of the world works. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I live in America and you know, I, I've enjoyed living here, but there's a lot of beautiful places in the world. I like to discover and I love meeting people people from foreign lands learning how they live. Yeah. And believe it or not, people can live in a whole mountain village up in the Himalayas, but you know what? They wouldn't live anywhere else else because they're really happy living there. Yeah. Good to find out why. Um, so that is it. I, I enjoy, uh, learning or becoming educated, um, about going to all of these places and, I enjoy telling people about it. I do lecturing on cruise ships as well. I saw that, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do. I went on the uh, first one just uh, in June there. It's one of the uh, the large cruise ships who set sail in the Caribbean. It's a first time back at sea for a long time. So they invited me on board to do a, a few lectures there on uh, on foreign lands and stuff. So that was, that was very nice. Um, so that's it. It's my quest to learn how the rest of the world works.
0: Mm-hmm hmm. And, and I, I get, you know, I, I found the same in Africa with people with nothing who are way happier than the average North American, let me tell you. Um, so, so a lot of what you picked up there, valuable lessons for life right? from these people.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's, uh, obviously, we have to come to the realization that there's some countries in the world that just do things a lot a little bit better than we do here at home. You know, Mm we we need Mm -hmm. to realize that. So if everyone sort of talked to each other, he said, I know you do a good job of this. Tell me how you do it. Or had that conversation taking place between all the nations in the world, we'd probably be a lot better place, wouldn't we?
0: I agree with him. Another important lesson I learned in many places of the world, people do things a lot slower than we do. And you've just got to get used to it. <laughs> that's the way it is. <laughs> the
2: Caribbean, man. Caribbean, yes. Africa, Island too. Time. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so I know Kathleen's going to ask you a question, but no. I've got something else that's just come up quick. I've got a quick one, Kathleen. Sure. Yeah. You've talk- talked to some of the highlights and some of the fantastic places. Other than Russia, have you had any really scary moments?
2: Uh, Russia wasn't scary, by the way. It okay. wasn't scary. It was edgy, and the Bolshoi Theater was still open. I had a wonderful time there. I even bumped into the rock band The Scorpions, staying in my hotel, which was fabulous. Um, scary experiences. Um, not. I've had a couple of near misses. I was in Bali. I left Bali 20, 24 hours before they bombed the place. <laughs> Remember that in 2000.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, I was in um, in Nepal, uh, in the mountains there, just a couple of months before they had the big earthquake there, yeah. and uh, knowing that where that was, I would have been wiped out. Oh. Um, but the only worrisome time I've had is taxes. Other, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, is, being, is being kidnapped and. You know, it's, it's always the, you're in foreign land. And yeah, I've been to Columbia a couple of times on business. <laughs> and it, that was right there, being, being kidnapped, and, yep. you know, the whoever's kidnapping you said, tell me your office. I'm going to get a ransom. So I, I told my partner, business partner that I said, look, I'm going to Colombia. If I get kidnapped, they're going to ask for a ransom. You know, he, and he said, okay, I understand, Malcolm. I'll go up to $100. <laughs> I kid you not. It's Canadian humor by the way. You might get that but it's just I just okay, fair enough then. I still went.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Malcolm, how do people contact you, find your podcasts or buy your books?
2: Um, the the best way to um, discover more about me is ask my website malcolmjtesdale.com. Um, so you've got a, a copy of that link. On yep. there is just, uh, I've got uh, pictures, videos, uh, presentations, subject details about books with the chapter titles, a bit about podcasts and personal opinions about places around the world, like the best of, the worst of, the edgiest, you know, things like that that um, people might want to to know about. So it's full of information there. And, uh, you know, the the books are sold in various places like Amazon or whatever, but, my suggestion is for people who are interested, go on my website, read about the books and uh, or the, the chapters. And um, the, the titles are a bit weird, by the way, uh, but that's all right because the storyline is a bit, it could be uh, quirky would be the best word for it, but <laughs> factual, educational, quirky. That's what I say. But it's, it's true life incidences uh, on uh, traveling around the world, yes. Excellent,
1: excellent. And I don't I'm know, gonna... I have one extra little question, and go I know it. Peter asked you about your favorite places, but is there one particular country that just stands out in your mind as a place that you wouldn't have any problem going back time after time? Is is there one in particular? Um, I already mentioned Yeah, my yeah i tell you, you what,
2: Kathy, there's two things. That, there's two answers to answer that question.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: There's a country that I would want to go back Um, to, again, because it was so delightful, that's country of Bhutan, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: which is is, uh, a landlocked country in the Himalayas. And uh, the civilization there hasn't really moved forward in centuries, it's it's starting to, but people are so happy there, there's no crime, they're, they're just content with the way they are living, and I understand that, Okay. I'd always wanted to go back there, and that's where Tiger's Nest Monastery is, by the way, up there, mm-hmm. situated on the face of a cliff. You can hike up there or climb up there. And I've always wanted to do that again. Will I go back there time and time again? No, there's no need, but I would like to at least go back um, there there once. I typically love Asia as a continent. I've been going back there at least once a year. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, I would, that whole continent, especially South, Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. I, I really, uh, like, and uh, again, I was going there this year, but I can't, it's pretty well locked down. So those are probably the, the two uh, Asia. I'd keep on going back there. Fabulous hotels, fabulous people, uh, culturally rich and, um, very safe. And uh, mm-hmm. so that would be up there as one of my favorites.
0: Very good. I, I've got an extra question. We've got literally a minute left. Um, I mentioned I did the Camino and there was lots of women hiking on their own. And one of the questions coming from Africa, I said, if you had any bad experiences and and of all the ones I said, I spoke to said, no, not at all. We've been absolutely fine. No safety issues. One, one woman had cycled from Holland and camped in a tent in farmer's fields. And she said, no yeah. problem whatsoever. But I know other parts of the world are not quite so friendly for women travelers. Is there any particular things that w- women in our audience who are thinking of traveling overseas should look out for?
2: Uh, I met, um, I've spoken to a lot of uh, women that have traveled solo and they've enjoyed uh, their, especially traveling solo. It's amazing what uh, the ladies I met would do. They're pretty brave, some of them. Oh, yeah. And I would, hitchhiking is something I probably wouldn't do in a, mm-hmm. a, a trouble area. But what I always do, and I re- recommend not, not, not just for ladies, but anyone who travels to a country, is that do your homework before you go. Look on the government websites, not just one. I, you know, I could look at the US State Department, travel.gov. <laughs> travel.state.gov, but I also look on the Canadian one. I look on mm-hmm. the British one, uh, because they can have it, a habit of instilling fear, but mm-hmm. also have a tendency to exaggerate. I was in St. Petersburg, Russia, just three years ago. And uh, I spent um, a night or two out there. If I re- took notice of the the um, U.S. Embassy or the travel.state.gov for the U.S., they said basically don't go there. Do not go there. The consulate had closed down. Then I read the Canadian uh, version of it and the British one said, yeah, it's perfectly safe. All these people go here every year. So right. I went out Perfect. There was nothing wrong with it at all. So, that's don't just look at one source of information, look at a few uh, and then make a, an educated opinion. But hitchhiking is safe, or, and there's bad areas in every city of the world. Sure. So, be careful. Just learn about the place you're going to first. I would. Great. Great, Great advice. Good advice. Thank you very Thank you. much, Malcolm.
1: And I think we're out of time for today. But, mm-hmm. Malcolm, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on our show today. Thank you very, very much. And thank you all so very much for tuning in. And once again, we love reading your comments, so please keep those coming. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And until next time, bye-bye, everyone.
0: Goodbye.